If we're in a depression, will we see another stock market crash? Japan's state of emergency. Japan called a state of emergency in early April. Everyone was asked, not forced, to wear masks and stay home for two weeks. Not everyone complied, but most did and COVID cases dropped. However, only a few months later, infections are quickly rising and now exceed pre-state of emergency rates in Tokyo, Osaka, and Okinawa. Yet, Prime Minister Abe claims there is no need for alarm. Prime Minister Abe claims the number of serious cases and deaths are down, so even though infections are skyrocketing, this week is a multi-day national holiday, Japanese citizens should not be overly concerned. Image by Masashi Wakui from Pixabay. At this point in the pandemic, even elementary school children understand hospitalizations and eventually death totals trail infection spikes by weeks. Clearly, Abe knows he is lying to the Japanese people and Japanese people know Abe knows he is lying to the Japanese people. So why keep up the charade? Why go from declaring a state of emergency to Trumpian-like denialism? It's simple, it's the economy, stupid. Admitting we are in the middle of a depression and we can't buy our way out, is political suicide. Although Tokyo is again flirting with another state of emergency shutdown, Governor Yuriko Koike has been clear, the Tokyo government does not have the financial capacity to compensate everyone in a future prefecture-wide shutdown, surprisingly, the Japanese government does not have the legal power to force businesses to shut down, even during a pandemic. This means businesses will be forced to decide whether to shut down voluntarily and take a chance on continued government-funded compensation or ignore public health warnings and stay open. Small and medium-sized businesses, SMEs, have been hit particularly hard in Japan. 70% of bankruptcies have hit micro-businesses in particular. One may rightly wonder how much of a knock-on effect micro-business bankruptcies may have on the health of the overall economy. However, when you consider 24% of Japanese employees work for micro-businesses, the picture becomes more uncertain. Laid off from the local restaurant, coffee shop, or souvenir shop means millions of Japanese citizens will now require government assistance until well after the pandemic subsides. Local governments have extended grants and loans to individuals and businesses, but have been overwhelmed by the requests for help. Numbers have already exceeded 2008, with no end in sight. Fearing another crippling round of pandemic-induced financial support, Governor Koike has suggested targeted shutdowns of certain districts. With extremely limited testing, it is unclear if this strategy is even possible. To add to Tokyo's problems, Tokyo was unceremoniously kicked out of the nationwide go-to-campaign dash a badly thought-out plan by the federal government to encourage locals to travel and spend money in Japan. In a nutshell, the go-to-campaign would compensate approximately 50% of any travel expenses of anyone traveling in Japan. Tourist hotspots like Okinawa and Hokkaido balked when plans were finalized due to fears of infected vacationers from the big cities. Ultimately, the Japanese government was forced to exclude anyone traveling from or traveling to Tokyo, by far the largest population center in the country. The message is clear, Japan is experiencing a desperate need to rebuild tax revenue while at the same time having record numbers of needy individuals and businesses pulling money out of the system. Energy in, energy out. Tax revenue in, social security out. The Japanese government is slowly starving to death and I think it's time to seriously consider if financial compensation for the masses can continue indefinitely. The problem is, 
if the subsidies slow and bankruptcies spread to larger employers, the Japanese economy could falter. This in turn could trigger an Asian-wide or even worldwide stock market correction of legendary proportions. Canadian restaurants are struggling. Big business in Canada has done well collecting low-cost loans and government grants to keep business going. Small business is doing significantly worse. Photo by Eggbank on Unsplash. Surviving on patios, delivery, and takeout business, many restaurants are struggling to make ends meet. Infection cases continue to smolder around the country and if you've never been to Canada, it gets really cold in the winter. Takeout will quickly become unpalatable, delivery unappealing, and patios impossible. If infection cases continue to surge at different times and in different places around the country, small business owners in the larger cities may be forced to operate through the winter with a significantly reduced number of tables to produce revenue from. This could spell disaster for many smaller operators. To make matters worse, local governments have asked landlords to extend help with rent but also have been reluctant to officially make a recommendation that would be binding on landlords. Apple is making record amounts of money, yet is ironically negotiating with UK landlords to get significant cuts in rent. However, without the financial clout or the ability to seriously lobby government officials, restaurateurs and other small operators are finding landlords are often not cooperating and are refusing to give small business owners breaks on rent. Infection numbers in Canada have declined significantly due to mask wearing and social distancing measures put in place through various bylaws, but by no means is the fight over. According to a report from Dalhousie University, up to 24% of Canadians plan to continue working at least part-time, from home next year. If true, this will have a significant effect on the businesses that rely on traffic from nearby businesses. According to the report, such a change combined with ongoing virus prevention measures could cause the Canadian hospitality industry $20 billion in lost revenue in 2021. Unfortunately, small business is a major component of modern economies around the world. For example, in Canada, small businesses have a huge impact on the job market. While we think of large companies creating the majority of the jobs in Canada, that simply is not the case. In fact, small and medium-sized enterprises give 9 out of 10 Canadians in the private sector their jobs. Small businesses alone provide 70% of all jobs in Canada. These jobs give individuals buying power, allowing them to support other small businesses and keeping Canada's economy running. Benchmark Law Corporation I think you see the problem here. SMEs are critical for keeping modern economies functioning efficiently. Credible experts say there will not be widespread vaccination until some time in 2021. Doctors expect a surge of infections in the fall and winter meaning public-facing small and medium businesses will almost certainly require more emergency funding if infection mitigation is enforced or they will be forced to shut down and permanently lay off staff. Hospitality employees and SEM staff may need significant retraining before successfully transitioning to a new industry. This means a vast majority of hospitality and SEM staff may be forced to wait the pandemic out until hotels, restaurants, airlines, and other supporting businesses can restart and rebuild. This could take years. Here lies the dilemma, no one knows for sure how long the pandemic will last and no one knows for sure how much of an infection surge we will see this winter. This means no one can predict with certainty how much more financial support businesses will need to stay afloat during forced social distancing. How much longer will local, provincial, 
and federal governments be able to continue spending before doctors, nurses, teachers, and a host of other government-funded employees need to be laid off? How much longer will it be before hospitals are forced to close? How much longer will it be before social benefits have to be cut for the elderly and the needy? How much longer will the public be willing to accept ever-ballooning deficits to bail out corporations, keep SMEs afloat, people employed, and the newly unemployed off the streets? Any significant cut in financial support before the end of the pandemic could trigger a second stock market crash. American politicians are getting nervous. The Federal Reserve, like central banks around the world, correctly recognized the danger of allowing the economy to simply crash and acted accordingly. However, in the haste to get money into the hands of the individuals and businesses that needed financial support, money was distributed with little evaluation for need. Of course, much of the money has made it into the hands of those who desperately needed it, however great sums of money have been foolishly and even fraudulently spent on luxury cars, gambled on the stock market to buy bankrupt companies, and poured into newly zombified companies with slim or no chance of the government ever recovering the injected bailout money. Now, the Democrats and Republicans are completely split on a further rescue package. Democrats want a more comprehensive, but significantly larger $3 trillion plan. Republicans are split on either $1 trillion or nothing. As a temporary measure, the President has signed an executive order, although there is some question whether the executive order will be effective or even constitutional. Ultimately, a deal will almost certainly be struck but in the meantime, temporary unemployment benefits are on hold in the eviction moratorium seems, at least temporarily, in limbo. This will affect the spending power of millions until politicians can come to a consensus. It is also not clear what a new rescue package might look like, adding to the uncertainty of both businesses and unemployed individuals. In the meantime, the state of Florida is now begging for help to combat the dramatically rising costs due to a premature reopening of the economy. People are losing their jobs and therefore are also losing their health insurance, meaning many people are being forced onto Medicare. Republicans, in particular, have been staunchly against providing funds to state and local governments to fight the pandemic. A number of senators, including Mitch McConnell, feel enough stimulus money may have already been spent. Fiscal responsibility or even austerity now needs to be considered. Should the next stimulus plan disappoint the market, or even be delayed too long, investors should be prepared for a second stock market crash. Why hasn't the stock market crashed? Parts of the economy still seem fairly priced. Banks, for example still generally trade far below their January highs. It's possible we won't see another crash, there's a decent chance money will simply rotate from technology into value sectors over time. On the other hand, there is also a significant chance government will come to an impasse over future stimulus, or states, provinces, and prefectures will simply go broke and be faced with the grim reality of draconian cuts to social welfare and local government spending, or citizens in fear of ballooning deficit spending and the specter of tax hikes will demand fiscal responsibility. Central bank support has kept investors in the game. The unwavering belief the Fed's got our back has kept investors doubling down when everyone knows deep down, we are in the middle of a pandemic, a depression of epic proportions, and a tech bubble rivaling 1999. Investors know they are way, way out on a limb. In the Great Recession, literally no one predicted the collapse of Lehman Brothers. Even after that triggering event, 
it took a couple of weeks for investors to start understanding the gravity of what had happened. Unfortunately, history echoes. Unless central banks and lawmakers are able to keep the accelerator pinned to the floor, any of the situations I've outlined above or perhaps hundreds of other scenarios no one has even thought of, could at any moment trigger the next stock market crash and a sell-off of epic proportions. If this article was helpful for you, please pass it on to someone you care about. Disclosure, I still hold approximately 95% cash as I publish this article. Please seek professional advice before making any investment decisions.